0: this podcast contains sensitive content which some may find disturbing information
1: shared here should not be construed as medical advice if you or someone you love needs help with trauma chronic pain or anything else we discuss here please seek out a
0: medical professional all resources shared are for entertainment purposes only all content represents the opinions of kim and anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for
2: This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello and welcome. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it. The podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. And today we have someone whom we are so
2: excited to have as our guest star. Her name is Miss Angie. Want to say hi, Angie? Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) She knew us, knew me when I was teeny tiny. She worked with my mom on Camp Tapolingo and we she is a long-standing family friend and we are so excited to have her here mostly just to have a fun time but also we're probably gonna we're gonna try to tie it into our regular podcast themes but honestly it's just for us to (laughs) have a fun time here
1: oh Uh, so fun
0: we are thrilled to have you here angie and i know you're also a regular listener of
1: ours I sure am. You you just make me laugh all the time. <laughs> oh good. And you just bring this joy. I mean, you need to you need to put out more. Like We're
0: do- we're doing our best, Angie. Don't 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 pressure us. <laughs> oh, we can't take it. We we have we have meltdowns like
2: semi-regularly over <laughs> over how long episodes take to get them out or if we haven't recorded recently enough. We yeah, so we already Unless somebody starts paying us a full time salary, unfortunately, I think we're going to be continuing with the pace that we're currently at, which is inconsistent and lackadaisical.
0: But we're <laughs> but we're very glad to hear that we're making someone laugh because laughter, as you both know, is very important in recovery. So hey, we already tied it into our theme. So Angie, you're in Canada, is that right? Mm-hmm. I am. Okay. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Commonwealth yeah. Queen E, love her. <laughs> Wait, how are you guys connected? How is Australia connected with Canada? The Commonwealth, you know. Oh, <laughs> the okay. Queen, her Royal Majesty,
2: reigns over us both from really? afar. Really? Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, we're both independent. I mean, it's no, you know, we're no longer like colonies, but yeah, we're part of the Commonwealth. We share. Oh, Do you guys celebrate the Queen's birthday up there? We do. -hmm. Yeah. So things like that. Also the Commonwealth Games. We're connected by several things. A lot of times the royal family will do tours through our countries. (laughs) The (laughs) Commonwealth The Commonwealth Games? Yeah, it's like the Olympics, but they exclude everybody who isn't part of the Commonwealth. It's like the Olympics, but but special. And you don't get an invite unless you're one of the special countries. Oh, okay. So I guess I'm
0: the odd man out today then.
1: You sure are. Oh,
0: my. <laughs> all right. Well, so anyway, Angie, can you give our listeners a little history on how we all came to be connected?
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's been so fun for me to kind of go down memory lane here. Um, so we met in 2000. Can you believe that, Kim?
0: Wow. 20 no, years ago. I
1: wow. <gasps> Hold on. can I quickly? I gotta... Can I just super
2: quick interject? Angie is also a teacher of, what age group do you do?
1: (laughs) It's kind of a mix. I teach SK for two days a week, which is senior kindergarten. And then I teach grade one through eight, um, it's a Christian education.
2: As soon as you started telling that story, it was so clear that you are a teacher of kids just because (laughs) you're so emphatic. I felt like I was sitting in like a little circle on the floor, (laughs) listening with eyes wide watching
1: you talk. (laughs) okay sorry. you know well no it's so funny you say that because that's actually one of my fears I do not want to treat people
0: like students <laughs> like kindergarten, like senior like sks uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are the what are the freshman kindergartners like they must be a wild and rowdy bunch
1: <laughs> they have a long way to go <laughs> they've got like acne and <laughs> yeah <laughs> Do you, guys, right. do you guys just have kindergarten? Is that
0: yeah? We just have kindergarten. Okay, we, you ha- we have pre-K, yeah. um, which is like preschool, but
1: yeah, so same thing, similar.
0: Getting back to your research, Angie, tell us how we know each other.
1: Okay, so 2000, we both worked at Tappawingo together. You were directing, and I was a counselor. You hired me as a counselor, and I will tell you that the interview you did with me. Was the scariest interview of my oh life. My, really? Okay, yeah. Wow! I remember one of the questions was: If you could title your relationship with your parents in a book, what would that <laughs> title be? <laughs> <What> <laughs> my word, mom! Yeah, great question. That? Yeah, it was panic attack for me. <laughs> okay, so then we served together in that capacity, and then I don't even remember the year. Um, but Kim, it was her last year, and you had said hey i'm leaving and i want you to be the director i'm like what are you talking about absolutely and so you know being canadian we had to jump through some hoops to be able to get that all in order but then i became the director and i my whole first year i just wanted you to come back Oh, (laughs) i was was talking to
0: somebody about what it was like to leave tapawingo because it's such a lovely Place. And for those of you that don't know, it, it's still an operation. It's an all-girls summer camp on an island in the middle of the Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to someone and they said, you know, how, how could you ever leave? And I said, you know, when I left that island, I remember saying to myself, it's time to go. <laughs> You need to remember this moment that you're exhausted. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I really did. I mean, it was beautiful and wonderful, but also it's extremely tiring and engaging. And, you know, you have to be all in 24-7.
1: So, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: That first year was a curve, probably learning curve.
1: Oh, I think I lost a few years off of my
0: life. Yes, (laughs) yes, for sure. So
1: yeah, so that's how we know each other. And then of course, while we were both there, Anna was running around like a little cutie.
0: And then Angie, after you uh, finished being director of Tapu can you just catch us up and tell us what has happened since then?
1: Oh, wow. So catch up on the past 20 years? <laughs> yes. 20
0: years? Well, well first you, you met and married someone, right? Yeah.
1: So Mike and I were dating my first year directing. And then after that first year, we got engaged, got married, spent two years married um, down in New York. We Mike did some calling around and he ended up becoming a youth pastor up just north of Toronto in Canada. And then we served there for a while as youth pastor. Then we just planted a church, I guess, five years ago now in right. just north of Toronto. Again, just a little bit less north of Toronto in Newmarket. And that's what we do now. So we're here. He's, and he's the senior pastor? That's right. Yeah. Wow. So he's the senior pastor here. And what a time to be in ministry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be doing anything, right? But yeah. And then my children go to a classical school here, uh, which is not very common in Canada. I I know they're more common in the States, but we We aren't here either. Really? I've never never seen a single one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, well, Anna, your school that you went to was a classical school.
2: When I say here, I mean, here is in the continent I'm on.
0: Oh, Wait, what? You mean,
2: that, you mean that school that taught me grammar, Latin, rhetoric, and logic, and had me reading college textbooks before I was a teenager? That was a classical school? What? <laughs> I, I, Anna, <laughs> sweetie, sweetie, your school was a classical school. <laughs> oh, clearly, didn't serve me very well.
0: <laughs> My word, mom! Oh, uh, that, sorry. sorry. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. So, yeah, for those of you who don't know what classical education is, it's very literature based, and all those things Anna just said, and not as common, I guess, in other places we do have them a lot in the states though
1: yeah so I my children go there I have two kids (laughs) one is uh, 11 and the other one is nine and Mm -hmm. they both attend there and I work there so wow that's what I do that's so sweet
0: can you update us Angie just on how uh, coronavirus is impacting your job or your life where is it at with you guys over there in Canada
1: Yeah. So back like the rest of the world, we went online in March, which was a nightmare for everyone. (laughs) But just managing working, and then helping your kids navigate this new format. And then also having a church where you have everyone in crisis at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was a little wild. I
2: just want it to be over. I feel like that's where everyone in the world is at at this point. It's like it's almost gone away so many times and it's come back every time. Like we just are all so ready for it to finally actually leave.
1: I think we're weathering it. We're doing one day at a time. Some days are harder. I think there are things that our children are processing through all this that will they'll need to process in the future. You know, they can't process it right now um, because they don't even understand. But in the future, they'll have to look back and think, man, I have a fear of XYZ Mm-hmm. because of this mm-hmm. and they'll need to work through that.
2: I was just going to say also, I find that there's a real like people pleasing element to to what's going on. You know, people like shame you if you don't wear masks and Granted, I am all for wearing masks. I just want that to be clear. Or some people shame
0: you for wearing a mask.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and I know that we were talking briefly about like people pleasing when we were brainstorming topics to talk about on this episode. Have you found that all these new expectations or, you know, has impacted you at all in that way and your people pleasing tendencies? Because it's definitely affected mine.
1: (laughs) Yes, totally. I mean, I find it challenging because I am a people pleaser. recovering people pleaser <laughs> <laughs> there's such a wide um spectrum of where ev- how everyone views the coronavirus and yeah yeah so I I don't know actually where how to I, I think I have to be very careful that I'm not making a decision because you know I'm not going to wear a mask here because this friend doesn't wear a mask or I'm going to wear a mask here because this friend wears you know do you know what I mean yeah like I have to It's it's reminding me a little
2: bit of like a Kantian philosophy of how you how you make decisions as far as you just try to make the right decision in the moment for the specific uh, context that you're in, like instead of like. Say utilitarianism focusing on outcomes like the ends, always just hold on, means. hold on,
0: let me get my textbook. Get my <laughs> Listen, this is a good point. Education rubric, <laughs> so I can figure out what the heck you're saying. Wait, wait, hold on, are you
2: telling me <laughs> that I went to a classical school?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kantian, okay, you lost me at Kantian, yeah, so. me too,
2: me too, Kantian, like Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, just okay. the fact that. Just the fact that like okay, it just means that instead of focusing on the ends justify the means. So like instead of prioritizing the the greater mass of people over the specific one person, which if you were making your decisions that way, maybe you would always be wearing a mask no matter what, no matter who you're with. But if you're with one person who really needs you to not be wearing a mask for some reason, or if you're with someone who's high risk and you really do need to be wearing a mask, then you can kind of change, you know, your decisions based on who you're with in order to make the right decision for who you're with at the time. You know what I mean? Instead of having like a one size fits all philosophy of mask wearing or self isolating or things like
0: that. I honestly, I have no problem. I could wear a mask for the rest of my life. I mean, now sometimes, granted, I don't like to smell my bad breath blowing back into <laughs> my
1: face. Oh, I hear you. But, that is real. But,
0: <laughs> but and I definitely, because I wear glasses, I was just in the plant store and I'm like, you know, so frustrated because I have to look with my glasses, but I have to breathe with my nose and the fog and the glasses. It was a big I Oh my word,
2: I never even thought of that.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, really it's
2: frustrating.
1: Work. the The fact is, we don't know enough about the virus. That's kind of how I feel. So I will mm-hmm. kind of like sit in this camp of, yeah, we're fine, we're fine. And then you can just hear other things, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe we're not fine. So I just think mm-hmm. we don't know enough, and I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and
0: like today, I was in. We have church, and it's outdoors. And I was in church and sitting there. And I was six feet distant from other people. And then some people started filling in to the right of me, and somebody came up and they were, you know, joining this other group. And so then I'm like, okay, I am about to pick up my chair and move it away from someone, which feels very unchristian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> point so I tried to I tried to be nonchalant like during the singing to be sort of like pulling my chair like readjusting it every few seconds until it was more away from that person but it's just awkward quick
2: clarifying question is it six feet over there because here it's 1.5 meters is it which would be 4.5 feet is it six feet in the states because things are worse six feet
1: oh wow we say we say the same we say six feet or two meters Oh really? No, here it's one point five. Sometimes people say like a hockey stick. (laughs) That's That's fantastic. Honestly, that is
0: helpful because I was trying to when I was trying to figure out if I was six feet away, I was just thinking of a six foot person laying down and floor, how far. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. For us
2: it's stay one shopping trolley away from other people. So like the length of a standard shopping trolley is one point five (laughs) meters.
0: Oh, my word. That's interesting. Grocery carts come in various sizes, as you know, from our re- our grocery store here has four different sizes of carts. Well, not lengthwise, though. Yeah, just depth wise. Right. Do you uh-uh. have short ones? Yeah, we have short ones. Angie, do they have Okay, but do they have a standard shopping cart size in Canada? Anna, we're already at thirty minutes. We haven't even gotten to our content. Stop talking about <laughs> shopping carts. Okay. Angie, you yeah. mentioned that you are a recovering people pleaser. Can you tell us yes. about that?
1: Well, you know what? It's funny, Kim, because I actually discovered that I was a people pleaser under your leadership. Oh, good. And <laughs> I remember you wanted to make me a sign that said. Confront me if I people please. <laughs> did you I did. tell you did. Did I? Oh my
0: word! I because, was an intense person.
1: Yeah, you were. But oh it helped me. <laughs> it helped me a lot, and so it has been such a, a journey for me out of that because it, that issue has been so deep for me. I I remember in high school going shopping for clothes, and I would pick up a shirt and I would run through. People's names in my head. Of like, what would they think about it? What would they think about? Oh my! It? And I mean, I was the worst person to shop with because I could never make decisions, or like even in the, such silly little ways where people would be talking about, for example, like fishing. I've never fished in my life. i would be like, oh, fishing, so good. You know, like that kind of person. We're just like, you switch with the crowd so you're mm-hmm. you're in, mm-hmm. and um, so insecure, so so insecure. So I remember. Um, talking to you about that. And it was through, we were watching a movie. I was in Lyft at this point, actually, which was for those that don't know, it's a discipleship program at the same camp, but happens in the off season. And Kim's husband was the director of it. And we used to watch movies and then discuss you know, themes from them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we were watching the Virginian. And mm. in this movie, um, all the women just lived for their name in society. So they just wanted to have everyone approve of them. And after the movie, sitting in this group and discussing um, with Nate, and he he quoted Galatians 110, where it talks about, you know, are you living for people? Are you living for the Lord? And he just said, if you're serving man, you're not serving Christ. And for me, serving Christ was serving man. Like, Mm. for me, it was like, I'm a Christian. So that means everyone must like me and I must mm-hmm. be a good girl. And so that's what, so that night specifically, I remember just kind of who I was being ripped out from under me mm-hmm. and like, I've got it all wrong, but that's not mm-hmm. what it means to be a Christian. And so I remember going and journaling that night and, and really honestly weeping because it was like, I had be- believed this lie for 20 years of who I was and who I was supposed to be. And I remember, Kim, you talked to me a couple of days later, probably. And you just said, you're you get this opportunity. And this is not a direct quote, but something along like this, along these lines, um, you get this opportunity to kind of recreate who you are, like, mm. you don't have to live enslaved like that anymore. Mm. And there was like this glimmer of hope that that brought me of like, it's not hopeless. My life isn't over. I can learn and I can even accept being loved like unconditionally, because mm-hmm. my love in my head from people was so conditional, you know, mm-hmm. I, I offered something and then they love me back. And so mm-hmm. but to know you don't have to live that way was so freeing. So every once in a while, as I'm sure people know in recovery, and I, I kind of laugh when I say recovering people pleasing. Um, but it's true, because I notice in recovery, you kind of want to go back to mm-hmm. that tendency sometimes. But then, as you think through the implications of that, that it's so enslaving and just mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't want to go back to that again. And even actually the, the story of me shopping and looking at shirts, that story will come back in my mind. That's not who you want to be. That's mm-hmm. not who you want to be again, pick what you like and you're okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which sounds so silly, but it has been, it has been a process for me. And I, I look back and see growth and I'm like, Oh, thank you, Lord. Like I, I don't have to live that way um, anymore. So
0: what a beautiful and very moving description of what it's like to get trapped in that, Mm -hmm. right? One of the trauma responses is fawning, which is sort of trying to keep the people around me happy or content, right? And so that can be, you know, people kind of minimize or laugh at middle school or whatever, but a lot of a lot of really hard things happen in, in school, um, particularly mm. middle school, where people become very dangerous to us because they embarrass us or or, or just cause us to doubt ourselves or, or actually, you know, literally traumatize us. So we start to make people safe by keeping them happy, by mm. making sure they approve, by making sure they're content or comfortable. Um, and that obviously can become a very codependent connection with people. It can become, you know, you lose yourself in doing that. And so a trauma response to change that is not to now have to endure people being unsafe. It's finding another way to make them safe, right? Mm-hmm. So like through boundaries, through trying to understand people, but not necessarily thinking I have to be around every single person, right? Like I, yeah. I can love someone, but I might not be able to be around them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I might have to set that boundary because they're unsafe for me or they're they're not willing to acknowledge the ways that they are unhealthy or unkind or whatever. And and so, yeah, so keeping them safe, keeping people safe is a good thing. It's what our brain wants us to do. It's just that we can fall into these ways and people pleasing is certainly one of them to try to keep people safe.
1: You know, it's interesting, too, that you said in um, junior high, like middle school, junior high, those years are so those were the worst years of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember I had there was this group of girls and for some reason they just decided to target me and they I remember looking at their binder and on their binder it said, I hate Angie. Oh my and like that you don't you don't think of it then because you just think, oh, that was like it's a little common middle school thing. But that's traumatic. Like that mm-hmm. was That was awful. And something that I still remember, just talk about insecurity being poured on you when you see that written on a binder. Um, So I think what you're saying, Kim, just to to find that connection, even to be able to talk to someone older that's maybe gone through junior high already, (laughs) and to be able to kind of get some perspective of like, this isn't forever. But to be able to love them through those years, I think is so important because those years are absolutely are so formative and so challenging.
0: Also, I think to validate that that is trauma. Yeah, you're, you're, you're in school for eight hours, you can't leave. Yeah. And if you have a group of people who have decided to target you and dislike you and even hate you and be cruel to you, that's trauma. Yeah, that's being trapped. That's being stuck. That's being, you know, you don't. You can't predict it. You don't know when it's coming next. You know why would they write a, that on my on a binder? I would never do that to someone. You know that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. very very difficult. And so we had a, a guest on one of our previous episodes, Dr. Robert Rotan. Should <laughs> I say it right?
2: No, it's that's just Bob Roten. <laughs> <laughs> <Dr. Robert>. Anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He, um, he talks about middle school trauma and, um, you know, that's trauma is basically anytime you feel overwhelmed, um, uh, by a situation that you can't escape,
1: mm. you know,
0: and that middle school is a great, definitely many of us have gone through that. And even though we may not have middle schoolers listening to our podcast, because Anna and I, due to our anxiety, have this podcast rated E <laughs> because, <laughs> Yeah. We don't want to traumatize any people under 18. Well, to but, be fair, um, though, the first season was pretty graphic. So. But, yeah. all of us, <laughs> but all of us have lived through middle school. And that's a, a big reason why we get into that attachment strategy with people. But then imagine, too, if you if you have other types of trauma with humans and how intense that can become to try to keep people happy, always trying to predict what does that person feel? How do I help that person feel better about me? how do you know, instead of paying attention to what do I feel about that person? What's happening to my body right now? What's going on with me? What do I need to say? What boundary do I need to set? I just wanted to quickly say as well that
2: first of all, I completely agree with everything that's been said by both of you in the last few minutes. And I just wanted to quickly say that that's actually, I think my that was my very first Experience with not that I've had many, but my very first experience with having an an unhealthy attachment to my medicines that I have for my back, my my pain mm. medication, because in those years that I uh, seventh grade through twelfth grade, I too had been targeted only definitely mm. by some of the peers, and you know kids can be so cruel. Mom mentioned that powerless feeling of you know you have to be there for eight hours a day, you can't leave. And you. And the other thing is that you know whatever you do to defend yourself today, you're going to have to deal with tomorrow when you go back to that exact same environment. Like, it's not like you can fight the battle and then leave the battleground. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you're making the bed that you're going to have to sleep in for the next five years. Mm-hmm. You really do get trapped, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, those um, medications that I had back then, that was like the only way that I could even... Because some of them doubled as anxiolytics as well. So they would lower my anxiety at the same time as lowering my pain, which I did have to take them a lot of the time for pain anyway, because the (laughs) the chairs that they had in that school were really, really bad for back. (laughs) (laughs) Side note. But at the same time, it was like that first experience with having kind of an artificial escape. And then that is what's giving me so much empathy and I guess understanding and just... I don't, I don't even want to say sympathy, but just my heart breaks and really understands now how easily you can get drawn in to substances and different kinds of addictions. Because even to get like a hour long break to appease those feelings of just being trapped and targeted mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes sense. You know, like I feel like that should be the byline for people understanding how people get addicted is that it just makes sense to not have to deal with that all
0: the time. You know, just sure. get a little break every every once in a while. For yeah. sure, and the whole the whole world of addiction medicine has really shifted from this drug is the problem to the underlying pain is the problem. Yeah. If we can get to the underlying pain that this person is trying to escape, then we can help soothe or ease the connection that the, that is caused by what they found relief for. The problem is with these short term reliefs they provide long-term painful consequences. So yeah. that's a great point, Anna. Thank you for sharing that. It makes me sad. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to make you sad. All bullying is sad. I mean, I think as we get older, we tend to minimize it and think, well, that's middle school. You know, oh well, yeah, that happened to me in high school. But when you're in it, yeah. you know, when you're trapped there, when you know you got to wake up the next day and go right back there, it is, it can be really tough. So
1: yeah, mm-hmm. go hug a junior high.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's right. Or they might not want to be hugging. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Thank you so much for giving us that great description of what it's like to be stuck in people pleasing. And now you have really feel like you're in a better place with that. How has that freed you up? What's the benefit?
1: Oh, okay. So many benefits, but I would definitely say it, it frees you up to love people for who they are and not what you get from them. Be who you are, like what you like, but then also appreciate Others for who they are and encourage them to be who they are. And also just even trying to be aware of it in my my own kids and really encourage them. You know, they it's so funny. This is a while ago. This is probably three years ago. We had my son was had a bike and we were borrowing a bike from someone who was pink and he was so embarrassed of this like girl bike. <laughs> and so we were we were going past the park and he got to some people and he was like, I can't do it. And he jumped off and he gave me the bike. And so I just stopped him and was like, honey, I spent way too long in my life worrying about what people thought of me. So please don't go there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's okay. And so just that moment of like that sympathy for those Mm -hmm. who are trapped in that as well. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Don't we're not going to worry about if they think our bike is funny. I don't care. You know, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. okay. We can, life is not going to end with that. So Mm -hmm. I think loving people for who they are. Um, and then also just sympathy for those that feel trapped in that Mm -hmm. addiction Mm -hmm. as well. You know, that is
2: such a good point. And I even remember, I remember my mom giving me a very similar speech. I don't know if you remember this, Mom. But I was talking to her about how bad things were at the school that I was at. And I remember you pulling me aside, Mom, and going, Sweetie, this is, and and you were speaking from experience. (laughs) But you said, Sweetie, there are always going to be people who hate you. (laughs) And I think your end thing was, listen. Some some people are, most people are going to love you. Some people are always going to hate you. But the key is that you can't hate yourself because they hate you. Don't let it, and I remember you giving me that analogy of like, just pretend that you are in a bubble and every other person who tries to come at you with hatred towards you or things that they wish they could change about you, just don't let them into the bubble and just keep, mm-hmm. keep who you are totally intact as much as possible. You never have to change for somebody who is never going to like you, because here's the secret. And I think this is what you said that you had to figure out the hard way through your life was that if you listen to the people who want to change you, no matter how much you change, you're never going to get their approval. Every time Mm -hmm. you change, they're still going to hate you. They're going to come up with a new criticism and it's never going to, it's a never ending cycle. And you're just going to get stuck in that world of trying to change to not be hated, even though you're missing out on the people who loved the original you. Surround yourself with the people who are supportive and accepting of you, and your life will be mm-hmm. so much better. And that's developing. That's why oh, I moved continents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For real, developing resilience to people, right? So instead of developing a avoidance strategy or a fawning strategy developing this kind of cushiony strategy. That's like, you know, some people I'm not for everybody, right? Like there will be people that dislike me, but if I always just focus in on those people that dislike me or disapprove of me, basically I am going to live someone else's life, right? Someone else's expectations. I won't end up living the life that I am called to live. And so I think that's such a great point, Anna, that you know, that bubble, that resilience bubble mm-hmm. kind of a thing that, that negative nanny, or not, not negative nanny, negative Nancy, you, Nancy, <laughs> in, in extreme cases, my nanny, my, the woman who took, she took care of me all through my childhood was so negative. I could, <laughs> she, was, she was actually a gem and a jewel. She was a awesome. But no, but that negative person who dislikes you, if you try to please them, try to please them, try to please them, that person, that attitude can actually become embodied. You can actually start to have that toward yourself Mm -hmm. and think it's you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you call yourself stupid. You call yourself dumb. You say that, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? But you don't do that to anyone else. But now they're like inside me. They're, they're dictating to me from me. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where we have to really address that and, and, Mm -hmm. and work work to recover our own voice, our own voice of unconditional love and acceptance and kindness. So right.
1: mm-hmm. I remember you said to me, Kim, once practice disappointing people. I was like, yeah, what? That's <laughs> so that so sounds weird. awful. Wow. But it was so it's not everyone needs to practice that.
0: <laughs> but, oh, I, I think everyone does. I still think that even yeah, myself, it even will,
2: myself. Totally. It it well, some of us don't to need you. to practice for some of us. It's a, t- it's a full-time career, but,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I can remember the very you. first, I can remember the first time I sat across someone that I was really trying to do a good thing with. And they said, you know, you're just, you out of anybody I've ever had helped me in my life, you are the most disappointing. <gasps> and I remember, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. And I had gotten to this place where I was able to say that must be really difficult for you
1: oh, right how, because- how did you get to that place Kim
0: just by working on not being dictated to by other people's expectations. I mean, I still have to I still have to do that in my head. I still have to obviously like you said, you can fall back into that old pattern mm-hmm. of just being crushed or crumbled, you know, by that or and just trying to like make up for it. You know, my old person, my old self would have said, "Oh my gosh, what can I do to change it? What can I do to make that better?" But mm-hmm. this was this was something that was that person's deal. They had to deal with the disappointment because I like something I often say is if you succeed in having everyone find you faithful, you have just set yourself up to yeah. be a superpower or a deity, and that is not going to work for very long. Okay. <laughs> you will run out of energy. Yeah. Yeah. They, if they get disappointed in you, there's a chance they will keep searching for a higher power that can actually never disappoint. Wow. And. So that for me was, you know, kind of an opportunity to say that must be hard for you. I can still care about you, even though you're disappointed in me. And what are you going to do now that you see I'm just a person? I'm just a human. Hmm. I can't do it.
2: And that's so similar as well. I remember you told me that whenever something like that happens and you get, you know, told by somebody that you're not good enough to be with them, you said that one of the best responses can be, you know, in response to them saying you do this thing and it's awful the the best response you can give is, that is so true. And you know what? It's so much worse than you have any idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <It's>, I remember Kim <laughs> saying that. I remember. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that thing that you found about me that you've decided to pick out and criticize, this is so real. And I totally agree. And it's probably way worse than you even yeah. have. <laughs> but <laughs> I am going to keep
0: that in mind. And thank you for sharing. And And I'm so, you know, I get it. And it has been noted in my uh, psyche that you point out things that are changed. <laughs> you, you know, so noted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so so this has been a great discussion about people pleasing, and we are so glad that you are on the program with us, Angie. Now, we also, you and I, have a lot of tapoingo adventures. And there's one in particular I've been wanting to ask you about, and that is about the time this was after you took over the island. And as I understand it, something traumatic happened. Can you tell us that story?
1: Yes. Under my watch, there was a fire on the island. Okay. So give us the whole story teach it to us
2: as if we were senior kindergartners.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Get your little mats. We also... Tampa Wingo, for those of you who don't know Tapawingo, it's about the size of a football field in the yeah. middle of a very large um, lake in the Adirondacks. Okay, go.
1: Okay. So we were on the island and I walked into the office and my business manager, who just bless her heart. I wish she was my business manager all the time. I came in and she said, Ange, people are calling the island saying there's a fire. And we kind of laughed because, you know, we just had a campfire and it must've looked like more fire. So we were laughing. And then all of a sudden I was like, Wait, did someone check? (laughs) And so one of the staff members ran down um, to the waterfront or to the uh, campsite where it was. And she came running back up and she said, Ange, it's real. And it's an overwhelming fire. (laughs) So that's
2: like a, that's that's not if this is just me thinking that but that is such a complex adjective to use in a, in a moment of panic <laughs> that's that's a bad one like it's all <laughs> really very bad a danger not
1: it's not only is it a fire <laughs> it's overwhelming scared, it is overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> we've quoted that line often so you know here we are in our little flip flops and we're running down and I go around the corner and sure enough it's this big brush is on fire and mm-hmm. it's starting to lick the trees around it. Aww. And so I have my radio, right? That to, connects me to the mainland. So I quickly get on the radio and like, we got a fire on the island. Um, no buildings, no people are injured, but we need, we need help out here. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I'm running into the cabins, dra- grabbing um, fire extinguishers. So I'm like, mm-hmm. You know, we're surrounded by water, but we have to get the water to the right. fire. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so I don't know if you've ever used a fire extinguisher before, but we're spraying this puppy on and it just like lights up again. Like it, it's for mm-hmm. little fires, not for overwhelming <laughs> fires. <laughs> right. not for fires. <laughs> so then there are people start jumping off their boats, <laughs> and like oh, my. helping, we're bringing trash cans down. Um, so then the fire department, they were called and I went to meet them at the dock because of course the only mode of transportation to get there is a, a boat. Right.
0: So, takes- so there's no, there's no fire truck that's going to pull up. We've no. got to get over to the, to the mainland, which is where the main camp is, the adult yeah. camp. And they have to get on a boat, which goes about 10 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have- they have to arrive at the island without a fire truck <laughs> you know it's their hand
2: it's just a man it's So funny. You order help from the fire department when you're on the island the only thing you get not fire help but just you get a man
1: <laughs> well, it's so funny that you said that because they didn't bring them out on the Nautiques. They used the barge. Why did oh, they do that? Word. Oh, my word. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah. They the a barge when there was a it's fire. Scary, right? And
0: so my thought it sounded very panicked on the radio.
1: Well, I was panicked. And I mean, I, I get there and... First of all, this thing takes about a half hour to dock, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get them to like jump off the boat. And the one guy, like I have to slow my pace. So we're walking and he's like, yeah, I just had knee surgery last week. I don't want to get to know you. I want <laughs> you're <laughs> like, and meanwhile
2: you're like, are you kidding me? The island is burning down, and they sent me somebody who had surgery last
1: week. Oh my word! So we gonna, get... am I going to throw you on top of the fire? What am I doing with you, <laughs> Here, man? So we had had they had put this pump on the island for us. So if this need ever happened, that we would have this pump, they could put it in the water and then put out the fire. So, but I had no idea how to start this pump and with the firemen they also brought out some of the full-time staff from the mainland so some of the maintenance crew and all that yeah (laughs) so we're all you know and then one fireman looks down at me he's like you're wearing flip-flops like sir I didn't go grab my fire boots Like, I've been I've been throwing buckets on since it (laughs) started. Not the time to confront my footwear. So anyway, so finally we get it out and people start going back to their boats and the fire crews, you know, heading back. And one of the full time, this is my favorite part of the story. One of the full-time staffers, a male, I mean we've had meetings together and whatnot, but I've never really shown any emotion with him before. He just he looks at me and he goes, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I just <laughs> sobbed in his arms. I just Aww. went over and hugged him. I was like, <laughs> and he, I mean, bless him. he had no idea what to do with me. So he's kind of like awkwardly patting my back. And then he was like, just one minute, honey. And he calls and he's like, can we get, can we get Angie's husband over here? On the radio? <laughs> I'd like to not, I'd like to not, not be fuddling with her if
2: possible. <laughs> Can we get the can we get the full-time employed puddler in here the,
1: the <laughs> comforter who gets uh who's signed the contract because I am having a hard time volunteering. What's so interesting about that whole thing is that you kind of you know you go on adrenaline when when the whole thing is mm-hmm. happening, but his question to me was kind of like a validation of this was a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And it gave me that permission to grieve and yeah. to be like, okay, I can cry. But I mean, man, that was bonding for that man and I. We still laughed. I saw him. Are you still friends with him to this day? Well, I saw him last year and he's like, every year I think about you. Did you have to like do so, damage to the island or what happened? So what we had to do is the fire department said you have to keep feeling the ground because the fire may have gotten into the roots, which oh, would yeah. mean it could happen you know it could come up in other areas of
0: the island telling me that story we had a we had a lightning strike and and it burned a tree and they're like well you know it's out but you always have to fear that it's <laughs> actually <laughs> underneath of you and like, fire oh. can
2: go underground
0: It like the, the tree apparently. The
1: I'm,
0: apparently i'm wondering if that's really true or if that's just a way to increase our anxiety <laughs> to burn good that's point
2: good point really good point <laughs> If you no, like the firemen, were like, oh, let's reason this out. There is wood under the dirt. Maybe that's burning too. <laughs> oh my word. I wonder if that's real. Hold on. You guys keep talking. I'm going to Google it if that's real.
1: I think there is such thing as a root fire, but I think it had to be, I mean, like a forest fire. This We got it out it, before that happened. Okay, we've gotten through it. It's safe, but just remember, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at any given
0: point, the whole thing could be on fire beneath you. <laughs> Oh it's actually
2: true. A root fire is a fire that burns underground along the root system of a tree. Root fires can also travel underground and resurface some distance from their point of origin.
1: Yeah, thankfully there was no permanent damage. We, you know, there is there's some scars around the trees that you can see there, but so I actually was on the island last year and we walked down and we had a good little laugh about it, but thankfully that was all that that happened and no one yes. else was injured and Yay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Angie, thank you yeah. so much for being with us and for sharing these stories and talking about people pleasing. It has been so fun to reconnect with you. It has so been.
1: Fun. I'm so honored that you guys would want me on here. Such a such a fun time with you too. <laughs> great.
0: Any, anything you want to um, wrap up, Anna or Angie, anything either of you have to say before we end? I've loved listening to you guys both and also
1: interjecting.
2: I've just. So I'm fun. so glad that you came on, Angie. I think it was so much fun having you here. You you go really well with our vibe.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, I love you both. Honestly, there are so many times that I'll say, "A woman once told me, and often Kim, that woman is you." Oh, that's so sweet. We just miss you so much. I know our families would love each other, and yes. Just so thankful for you guys. Yes, God has a lot of us spread all over. Yeah. And to those
0: of you out there who are Tapu listeners, we love you. We hope you enjoyed this nostalgic uh, trip down memory lane.
1: <laughs> awesome. And
0: so we're going to wrap up. If anything else you want to say, Angie?
1: I'm good. Just thanks for listening. Keep listening. Anna and uh, Kim are so great. Love you, you guys. All right. Well, I am Kim. I am the mom signing off. And I'm
2: Anna. I'm the daughter. And thank you for listening to us. And also go find and follow our social media pages at Not Ideal Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. See you next time. Bye bye.
1: Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim
2: on the new series, Not Ideal, but we're going with it. Also, check out their new website
1: at www.notideal.net.